Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I want I want to ask you, uh, yeah. you're you're an academic administrator. That's that is, a that that's correct. a so <laughs> as an academic administrator, I wanna I wanna know what are your feelings about uh, the Massachusetts Academy's curriculum plan versus the Xavier Institute. <laughs> well, it's interesting because on ground level... Is it interesting? Well, I mean, you could argue, first of all, that the Xavier School is not really doing much in academia anyway. Like, it does seem to be sort of a mansion where every child homeschools themselves and worries about whether they're going to have uh, their term papers in on time all the time. Um, Massachusetts sure. Academy seems like a much more balanced campus, uh, for those students who are not part of the Hellions, um, and are completely unaware that there is a complex underneath the, their campus that is devoted to sort of danger room training these kids to join the Hellfire Club. So I guess it depends on which kind of student you are. Are you going to be like abused by, by Emma Frost or are you just like, taking classes and everything's chipper and fine folks we're talking about the hellions today that's right yeah i noticed you were wearing a head-to-toe fuchsia with an asymmetrical neckline you know what (laughs) when the spirit moves you 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 go you go with god and in this case (laughs) i i really felt like this was the appropriate attire it suits you well. It brings out the fuchsia in your eyes. So thank you. Uh, nice I, I was job. really going for it. I was nervous. I was nervous. I've got a little bit of a gut, not a huge gut, but enough that when it gets too form fitting, uh, it I can't hide it under sweaters. So it becomes <laughs> harder that way. But I'm I'm really glad that it's working here. Uh, so uh, who requested this? Because we're going to start with the Hellions' first appearance here, right? We are. This was requested by Patreon supporter Brian Fleetwood. Brian went over to patreon.com slash comics XF and said, folks, I like what you're doing. I, I feel your vibes and I respect them. And I would like you to talk about New Mutants 16 and 17, the or 15 through 17, the first appearance of the Hellions. Yeah. And this is a, a follow up to, I believe, Uncanny 178, 179. Kitty has kind of followed Doug over to the Massachusetts Academy only to be abducted by Emma Frost. Yeah. Uh, Doug Ramsey, who at this point isn't a mutant or doesn't, or we know he's a mutant. Professor X knows he's a mutant, but he's like, actually Doug's not going to be hated and feared by anyone. He's just going to be oddly good at everything. (laughs) And maybe we don't ruin his life. Right. Right. Which shows an astonishing amount of self-awareness for Charles Xavier's (laughs) school for gifted youngsters. Right. We're not going to make him an X-Man because we don't want him to die. (laughs) It's, it's just that Charles knows that some things are going to happen they're going to end up on a weird island, and Doug's going to get shot. Yeah. He's like, no, Doug can just know Mandarin. It's fine. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, uh, but 
all that all that is prelude to the point of Kitty gets captured by Frost. Yeah, uh, and, the, and their dynamic right off the bat is fantastic. They're just like at each other's throats, and uh, you know, it's it's one thing that I really like about uh, the Joss Whedon astonishing X Men, mm-hmm. especially that opening. You know, there is something to be said about Kitty Pride and Emma fighting in that, and given Joss Whedon's history of being a misogynist isn't great it's it is in the case of these characters incredibly in line with the fact that kitty pride woke up one day and saw this evil woman capture all of these people <laughs> that were nice to her and bring her ice cream yeah yeah and, and then, never really got over that no why would you right and like i love that this dynamic has finally evolved into what it is today um and oh it's it's charming it's now. great um but i love their banter back and forth uh kitty matches emma's wits every single time uh as emma tries to say you know hey you should train with me you could be a great member of the hellfire club um now, before we get to the Hellions, we do have this first issue where some of this back and forth is happening because Ileana is starting to sort of grasp what her powers are. Um, and the New Mutants are also starting to get a handle on what she's all about, too. And it's scaring the hell out of them. Yeah, it's a great it's a great look into Ileana's room as she is doing a meditation. <laughs> and she's got she's got her sigils. Her giant Garfield. Uh, she's, she's got her giant Garfield uh, that Sal Buscema draws really well with Tom Mandrake on inks and Glennis Wayne on colors. Hey, Chris Claremont wrote this one. It's a New Mutants from 1984. You knew this. We knew this. We all knew. Yep. We all knew Papa Chris did this one. <laughs> Man, we should have asked Papa Chris about Garfield. Ah, well, that's okay. There's also a Magnum PI poster on the wall, so uh, you know we're really that sticking to New Mutants themes here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so they get they get the New Mutants vibe, and, you know, Magic decides to astral project, as mm-hmm. she is once want to do, and she finds, oh no, Kitty's, Kitty's in trouble, we have to go rescue her. The rest of the New Mutants have some odd feelings about this. Yeah, definitely, um, especially wanting, like, to follow Ileana into any sort of battle, because they're scared out of their minds that there's, like demons appearing in doorways and Ileana is like looks like she's vomiting up ectoplasm like this is this is some weird stuff for these kids to see it's very weird and especially for rain <laughs> yeah. uh, wolfsbane <laughs> understandably has a lot of religious trauma mm-hmm. and is like that's a demon <laughs> yeah this isn't this isn't prejudice that's a demon over there <laughs> right she was in hell, mm-hmm. and she made demons appear, and also I don't like that, and then it also makes me feel bad about the fact that I'm a werewolf, and we're just, we, we keep not talking about how I'm a werewolf, but I'm a werewolf? <laughs> and uh. there is there is a beautiful scene where Sam Guthrie goes and comforts her, mm-hmm. and it's a bit dated and all this stuff, but you also, it's the stuff that early New Mutants did well that would pay dividends in the future like artistically this book isn't there yet because sabusema is not not bad by any means but if i was going to describe 70s and 80s house style it would be sal and john yeah yeah 
it is it is very interesting looking at these uh these pages knowing that the very next arc is going to be Sinkevich on demon bear um and just you know like <laughs> knowing what's to come seeing this style is is kind of crazy um, well cuz there's a, there's a demon bear like a stinger at the end of this issue. right and it's comical <laughs> yeah. knowing Knowing what comes on the first page of the next issue, right? He's kind of like a fluffy cloud. See, yeah, it's a little, it's a little smoke bear. It yeah. looks like, uh, it looks like one of the Charmin bears. <laughs> yeah, made of he, Charmin. He has a little rhyming poem too. It's kind of cute. Um, so anyway, they get into the Massachusetts Massachusetts Academy. Um, you know, Emma Frost is immediately like. I got you suckers. Like I'm going to take all of you. You're all going to end up on my team. And, uh, you know, at a certain point here, the new mutants get jumped by their counterparts, the Hellions in a danger room esque scenario. Now, Adam, we've talked a bit about the Hellions. How do you feel about the OG Hellions? You know, I, I think that it's, um, a pretty, uh, old strategy to just give like your heroes, their evil twins, um, but I think this is done in an interesting way. Like some of these characters obviously have a little bit more, um, uh, let's say depth than others. You know what I mean? Like Warpath from the, from the get is already sort of a fully formed character. Um, well, especially because he's not Warpath at the time. He is Thunderbird. Right. Like he's very specifically taking his brother's old mantle and using it against the X-Men. Yeah. Um, you know, Cat's Eye is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, that's, some of these characters don't have a lot more to them. They're just sort of like, hey, this kid is a, isn't a like an android named Jetstream who, like, is he a mutant or does he just have a rocket stuck to his back? Yeah, I don't they, know. they haven't figured out Jetstream's whole deal <laughs> yet, and they never will. Yeah. They will never... Jetstream is... What if we had a cable or a cannonball? Yeah. But like they yeah. have they have counterparts for everybody. Yeah. The most interesting of them is definitely Empath, who Oh, um, from the from the start. Exactly. Like busts into the scene and is already just like twisting minds and, and turning hearts and um it's awesome. You can tell this character pisses off everybody. Uh, he walks some... into a room and says, I'm an empath, so I'm feeling that everyone's upset. <laughs> yeah, so um, the battle is very evenly matched, though the New Mutants do get their uh, butts handed to them the first time. And uh, we turn around, and in the final issue, the two have a sort of, like, duel. Uh, it starts with Jetstream and Cannonball versus each other to... Say, hey, we're either going to stay and be part of this or we're, we're out of here with Kitty. And uh, luckily, the New Mutants prevail. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a nothing ending. Like, the story wants to introduce the Hellions, and that's cool, and give this dark mirror to the New Mutants. I get it. But then it doesn't do anything with it. Well, it's, it's doing a couple of things, you know, it's following up uh, a little bit more on the exploration of Ileana's powers. Um, mm -hmm. Danny ends up in limbo. They meet Sim. Um, so we're getting, you know, a little bit of a, 
of a, a world building there. Um, but you're right. You know, like this is an introduction to this other team that, you know, like a Saturday morning cartoon, you might expect them to pop up every once in a while and be like the misfits to the gem and the holograms. And yet the, as we were talking about before the show, the Hellions actually don't appear that many times during uh-uh. the entire new mutants run. And then they die. Um, you know, uh, when, when Wilson, Jim kill them off. So it's like, yeah, these guys are fun for a little bit, but they, they don't serve the purpose all the time. They keep empath and Thunderbird around. Cause those are the two that they actually took any time to give any significant characteristics. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of a shame. Cause like some of these characters and their powers are pretty interesting. You know, cat's eye is introduced as sort of being like a cat who were, doesn't like turning into a person as opposed to, yeah. you know, Wolfsbane being the other way around or, uh, um, you know, we have Taro. Well, that's just mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some of them are just pretty two dimensional in terms of their villainy, but, um, they're fun counterparts and I do have a fondness for these like absolutely simultaneously stylish and very ugly uniforms that they wear. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird going back to these because so much has changed about Emma. I mean, Emma, Emma's the weird part about this, right? Well, because she's like go a on. 60s Magneto villain yes. in these. Yes. She is chewing she's, the scenery. And uh, like Sebastian Shaw is a more like three dimensional and well developed character than Emma Frost, who is just wicked in this. I, I don't know if I agree that it's like less rounded, but I I really do have a fondness for this. You know, the the back and forth uh, between and Kitty and White Queen, as I mentioned before. But just the fact that, like, as you mentioned, she's she feels almost like a Disney villain, you know, mm-hmm. cackling. And uh, there's a sort of Silver Age quality to that. But I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy that the character has had a chance to evolve from this form. It is weird, obviously, like knowing who she is now. Um, but I, I still get a kick out of this. I think it, there's, there's a guilty pleasure in it. Well, we have a, we have a guilty pleasure of our own. Adam. That's right. And that's, that's ranking the stories of all the X Men mm-hmm. on our list, on our road to six hundred. Almost there. We are at five hundred and ninety-four stories on our big old list. Wow. From best to worst. The best X-Men story on our list is the House of X Powers of 10. Number 100 on our list is the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Number 200 on our list is X-Men 75, Anatomy of a Monster. Hmm. Uh, Number 300 on our list is New Mutants, Truth or Death. Number 400 on our list is X-Factor 145 to 149 about uh, Xavier's underground enforcers. Number 500 on our list is X-Men number three. Beware of the blob. And uh, the Draco's at the bottom. Um, <laughs> it's the Draco. Um, now, I, I'm interested to see what you think about this, because I, I agree it's kind of a, a light story, but um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I feel like this is like classic New Mutants in a nutshell, um, pre-Sinkevich. So, um, I mean, with... With the uh, double asterisk of classic New Mutants pre Sinkevich, <laughs> it's probably the best of those. 
But I also don't think New Mutants is good until issue 18. <laughs> that that also uh, definitely a factor here. Um, I would say story wise, I let's let's look at 400 here. That is X Factor 145 to 149. You think this is in like, the 300s or is this a 400 story? This isn't. This is 400s because New Mutants 47 through 50 is uh where they chase magus and they go through all the different dimensions and one of them has evil bobby DaCosta. oh yeah where's that that that's at 381 okay okay and this is this is worse yeah than and, that. and i think as as well i don't know what do you think about this in turn uh versus like the end of new mutants 98 to, to 100 that's at i think they are very they are very close, yeah, they're close in quality. You know, I think this is better than something like, um, let's see. I think we're in the right category here. Um, how, how do you, wh- what about like the first appearance of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at 413? At 413, mm, yeah, we're, we're about, we're in the right spot there. The spot where there's, there is something of value in these stories. And yeah. if someone told me they loved these stories that are in this area, I could understand, given a caveat of like, yeah, but you don't think they're like the best, right? Like, <laughs> like you love I, them. You do think some of them are kind of bad. Yeah. Like, we're on par with something like Gambit's first appearance at 406. We are. Right? Um, We are. Um, I would put it above the first appearance of the Brotherhood, mm-hmm. but under uh, 412, which is right above that, which is... X-Men 65 through 69, Operation Zero Tolerance. That is a perfect place for it. I like that quite a bit. So that would make this All our right. new 413. It does. It's uh, the first Hellions arc of New Mutants. Yeah. So the Hellions, as we mentioned, don't have a tremendous number of appearances. But one of the places that they also factor is in a very interesting and unique miniseries that uh, I guess people might be checking out given the x-men vote uh and this which is, is over the x-men vote <laughs> has ended. Us recording yes. ends tomorrow right 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 which is fine who'd you vote for i i voted for armor who did you vote okay for? i voted for bling great um, choice here's here's where it went down to yeah i think monet's gonna win i a, do too in a landslide yeah when 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 the votes first came out like when i first saw the ballots i said oh monet monet's got this but uh, it's so much more even and it's it is so hard to get like it even even playing field with, with something like this yeah but i think monet i think monet has it in the bag depends um, we'll have to see um i think I it's think a really I, weird like group of characters <laughs> i love i love that it's a weird group of characters yeah, yeah. um i personally think monet would be an interesting choice. I, I don't. I don't think Bling is my personal favorite. Bling is not the one I think has the most story potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think if you get someone like Gorgon or Micromax or Firestar, uh, those all have a huge amount of story potential that hasn't been explored. Really, like I don't. I don't. I don't know what you do with Siren. Even I like Siren. I don't know what you do with Siren. I think Surge and Armor and Gentle, like, they're going to be the kid mm-hmm. on the team. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, Bling will too, but I don't know. 
It's just it's interesting. Well, here's a follow up. Uh, if you missed my, my my son wanted bling. That's why my <laughs> my son said I want bling to win. Yeah, my daughter I like, said I like bling that one. Too. I like her, and I said okay for the children. <laughs> um, a quick follow up in our newsletter. Uh, Dan Grote asked us who our write-in candidate would be. Uh, I chose Litterbug. Who is yours? <laughs> I legitimately forgot who I. Chose. Oh really? Oh, I'm trying to I remember. Have, I have no. Here, I'm going to pull it up, and we can edit this, edit around this, but I I do not remember. Oh, I remember. He, I, you don't have to look it up. You chose Rubbermaid. I did choose Rubbermaid <laughs> because I want the one good fan account in the internet to be happy. Yeah. Oh, man, that's Let's funny. Let's talk Rubbermaid is the only good thing to come out of any of that. All right, so back to Firestar. When did this come out? This is originally from... 1986. Yeah, 1986. And... Well, 86, 86 cover date. The first issue came out in December of 85. Uh, it's Tom DeFalco, Mary Wilshire, and Steve Lealoa. Yeah. Um, and Firestar, you know, I think historically we know her from the Spider-Man. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> it's... Spider-Man and his amazing friends. That's a pretty good Stan Lee. That's good. My my son actually doesn't watch Spider-Man and his amazing friends. He did. He was really into it for a minute. Mm-hmm. But my youngest, what he watches is Spidey and his yes. amazing friends. Great. Uh, which is, oh, Spidey and his amazing friends is PJ Mask, but Disney wanted a second PJ Mask. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's what it is. It can be charming. It is fun to see my kid run around and be like, Miles, Miles, Miles is the best. He's got it. And his brother's like, this is stupid and for babies. I'm like, dude, you love Spider-Man also. Stop. <laughs> like, come on. Come well, off it. You're six. They're doing a good job of uh, giving multi-levels of, of Spider-Man interaction. You know what I mean? It's it's You can age up with the character. Um, but yeah, Firestar, you know, was not an X-Men character previous to, what is it, uh, Uncanny 193? 193, which is her introduction into the Marvel comics. But, right. But she was introduced in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends as a mutant. Yes. And we did have like, some X-Men specific... cameos in that too, right? There are there are two episodes with the X-Men, one of them about Firestar's origin, mm-hmm. and then one of them where they go to the X-Mansion uh, for like a cookout or something. It's weird. <laughs> Wolverine has his Australian accent. Love it. That's great. Uh, I think Thunderbird's in it, but he he turns into a bear. Oh, no. Oh, that's... Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) Bud, bud, here's the thing. It's not good. No. No. Um, Now, this miniseries, though, um, I I enjoyed this. Um, It's, as I think we talked about this before we started, this kind of has like a romance comic feel to it, thanks to Mary's um, artistic style. Yeah, let's let's start with the good that we can both, we can both wholeheartedly agree with. I think Mary Wilshire is doing a fantastic job on this. Yeah. With Steve Lealoa, like, if they're going for a soapy comic with a lot of like, big emotions in high school feelings. I think Mary Wilshire's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Great work on the art here. Good artistic storytelling, great emotive characters with nice designs. It works really well. I'm waiting for the what doesn't work well for you. <laughs> oh, um that 
that's pretty straightforward, and the answer is Tom DeFalco. Okay. I'm Adam. Do you think Tom DeFalco is a good writer? I think Tom is uh, maybe the wrong choice for writing the uh, adventures of a teenage girl. Just to see, because I'm not, I'm not a big like. I've not read all of '80s and '90s Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. so maybe Tom DeFalco is good there. But I've read enough Tom DeFalco comics to be like, do I want to read more Tom DeFalco comics? <laughs> I think the the jury's the jury's out on that one for me personally. Yeah, I think the um, my my take on it would be that there's a certain harmlessness uh, to to what he does. You know, like he's going to maintain a status quo and not not really like shake the boat too much. Um, uh, it is an interesting mini series in that it's, it's mostly about Emma Frost for four issues, like psychically and physically abusing a child to like, Oh, become oh an assassin. Emma Frost, Emma Frost <laughs> is in this. Yeah. Emma Frost is the pinnacle of gaslight gatekeep girl bossing. Oh, definitely. In every very literal way with Firestorm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Like, here's the thing. People, 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 people are going to bring up what is the funniest thing that Emma Frost does, which is <laughs> gaslight her, gaslight Firestar into thinking she blew up her own pony. Okay, wait. Let's talk about this for a second. Did she? We're, we're talking about Butterum? Yes. Yes. Did Butterum yes. die? Yes, absolutely. Emma killed a horse. Okay, not even a question right. in my mind. Because I've heard that's the I've heard the answer. theory that it, it was like a psychic trick, and that like she convinced her that that butter rum, you know, like died, and butter rum didn't actually die or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's no, that that's, horse is dead. That's that's it. That's that's an Emma Frost apologist trying to hide <laughs> the fact that Emma Frost. You know, Emma Frost has done women's wrongs as well as women's rights. Yeah. What's what's the word for uh, horse killing? Equi- equicide? <laughs> I don't know. Emma, Emma Frost does a small equicide in here. <laughs> I'm going to have to look And that up. then convinces a teenage girl that actually it was her microwaves that did it. Ugh. Which is objectively a really funny trick. Yeah. That's a fun prank to pull on your friends who yep. have a horse. <laughs> Just Emma, Emma Frost out. is just really giving it to this horse girl. She also then pulls this exact same trick, but with a weird human. Mm-hmm. And no one talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. No one talks about how Emma Frost also got this dude super murdered. Mm-hmm. It's just the horse. It's just the horse. Well, you know, the guy's name is like what? Clark or something. It's not butter rum. So it's a little less memorable. Butter rum is a, Again, an objectively funny horse right? name. Like that's so good. <laughs> and Clark is uh, kind of like a, a block of wood, you know. Like he's... you're thinking of Randall Chase. His uh, name Randall. You. Thank you, Randall. Uh, Randall. Randall Chase is this weird dude. He's he's Angelica's bodyguard. He's an adult. He's very sweet, and it is funny and weird to me that they're like, oh no, we've got to make sure. That Firestar's not actually the hero of this. She's mostly helpless while this one random Hellfire goon does the heroic stuff for most of the book. That is very, very strange. Um, She's 
kept well, out it's of... it's not strange. It's sexism, but it well, was the 80s. But, but for a four-issue mini for the arc to really be not an origin story that turns her into a hero, but a origin story that sends her back home to live with her dad is weird, right? It's so weird because what are you trying to do with this story? Obviously you're like, Hey, Spider-Man and his amazing friends is very popular for a children's Saturday morning cartoon. So you're trying to go with the fact that you've got Iceman in this random character that you added because the idea of Iceman, the human torch and Spider-Man hanging around and just being bros in their underwear in their place was a little, little too homoerotic for the, (laughs) uh, for the eighties. Not that that show did not, that show had plenty of homoeroticism beyond that. Uh, also I think the rights to the human torch were tied up in something, but like, She's just the girl human torch in that show. Well, and there's no reason that she couldn't just go off on adventures. You know, I, what I like about this is the, the like white, white queen super. It's the same thing I liked about that new mutants arc. I like that. She's sort of a silly villain and you know, Emma's incredibly silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but the most that Firestar does is kind of like, blow up the underground complex and fly back to dad. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, she doesn't really get to go on any, any quote unquote adventures or, or she spends the whole time getting gaslit. Yeah. And then it's, and now you go back home having learned nothing. Well, that's the big question, right? Is, you know, like, it's more like her dad learned not to be afraid of her. Like, is that the big takeaway? Okay, story? here's the thing. Her dad's not... Her dad uses bigoted language against mutants. Yes. He seems mostly to be afraid that his daughter's going to melt things based on the fact that his daughter has been melting a lot of things. Yeah. And I, I'm i not excusing bigotry. I would also be afraid. Oh, yeah. No, it's Like, it's if my daughter was melting things, maybe I'd be like, you're not... Maybe don't use the word freak. Uh, but also, like, you don't want me to touch you, Daddy? It's like, no, you literally just melted a phone. That I'm afraid you're going to melt my arm, and I like my arm. It's a legitimate concern. It's just like, again, it's not... Bigotry is bad. Raising a couple of points that I think we should consider. Yeah. You know... You know, Firestar does nothing until, like, for four years, until Night Thrasher gets her for New Warriors. That is the other really wild thing, is that they go and do this miniseries, and then she's not... And she's also appeared in in X-Men as, you know, being part of, like, the Hellions crew, and then disappears, and then ends up in, in New Warriors for the entire run. It's like... I, I just don't understand. I it, it makes me really kind of understand the uh, the weird relationship that X Men fans have with this character because I, I feel like there's some some real like that not it's not a love or hate relationship with this character. They're pretty much like nah, this this is not for us. Adam, I have found out, and this is so unfortunate for me personally, um, that Firestar had an appearance in comics before uncanny x-men 193 that oh, no really? one talks about what is it 
Uh, Ice uh, Spider-Man Firestar Iceman Danger in Denver, which was oh. an advertising supplement to the Denver Post. Oh, whoa, whoa! That a sixty is a deep, cent value. That's a deep cut right there. That's that's the Uncanny X Men Go to the State Fair of Texas uh, <laughs> style book. And yeah, I, but is it available? Can we get copies of it? That's the big question. Because I have my State Fair comic. You know, listen. They listen, made a lot of those. Listen, listen. I'm going to find a way to read this Denver Post <laughs> comic book. One way. There, there's plenty of ways to read comics online if you need to. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about Firestar. Is this a good book? I don't think it is actually. Um, I think it's so weird. It's weird. I did enjoy reading it. Is it good? I think, like you said before, I think the art is is really great. It fits the story. Um, I think Tom DeFalco does actually capture White Queen's, you know, villainous spirit of the time. But in terms of a story, in terms of what, like, actually happens with Firestar, it's not super exciting, you know? Yeah, I think that's my biggest problem with it, is that it's not good. Yeah. Um, so why don't, we, just... why don't we rank this? Uh, I think it's probably not as good as the Hellion story we just ranked. I don't think it's as good as the Hellion story we just ranked. Do you think it's as good as the new Warrior story we have on this list, 435, which I know had some stuff with Firestar in it? And yeah, Firestar did. Uh... Yeah, she goes. She goes down to. She goes down to Brazil. <laughs> to yeah, Roma. They yeah, go they to go there. Roma, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I think this is probably. Oh, yeah, better. we do. Oof. I think this is probably better than that. Um. I it's not as it's good as Galactus or Dazzler Herald of Galactus. And no, and it's not as good as the those Beast Amazing Adventure stories. It's not. It's not as good as Wolverine Enemy of the State. No, nope. Uh, it's not as good as What If Professor X Was Juggernaut. I think it's probably better than Wolverine and Jubilee at four thirty four. I was gonna fight that on art because I like the Phil Noto art in Wolverine and Jubilee, even he's not like Phil Noto, Phil Noto yet. But also, Mary Wilshire does a fantastic job. Like, I I think the art is great in this. And yeah, I didn't um, I didn't love all of this comic. Art's fantastic. Like, yeah. it's not it's not my particular style, but really doing a fantastic. Like, I get what they're going for, and I think they achieve exactly what they were going for uh, with what Mary and Steve were doing. It's a real shame about all the words and the plots. <laughs> uh yeah it's it's an interesting one all right so that's or not so interesting uh so that's 434 and uh we've if got you feel one... like you don't know more about firestar that's fine because the book doesn't do much to actually give no. her a personality either no we summed it up we summed it up pretty well so um one last hellions appearance here uh for this episode and that is the new mutants issue number 62 uh written now by louise simonson and drawn and inked by John J. Muth. Let's start with that again. John J. Muth is also doing a really good job. Man, I really like the art in this uh, this issue. He's using a very, um, you know, almost a, a painterly stroke with his uh, with his inks. You know, you could tell he's using a brush, uh, and it's really cool. Very high contrast shadows, and uh, it's it's really beautiful in parts. No, I think I think that is a big strength of uh of these issues is it 
I understand if you're going to look at the Hellions, mm-hmm. Empath is one of the most well-rounded characters in the Hellions. Like he has, he has dimensions to him. I do think it's a bizarre choice, and I know this is following up on like what Claremont was already doing. I do think it's a bizarre choice to try and make me empathize <laughs> with Empath, and not in the way of like I see why he sucks so much, but being like maybe he doesn't suck. No, like. What Zebwell's learned on Hellions, and I think this was a brilliant stroke, is mm-hmm. everyone hates Empath, and if you try and make people like Empath, it's not going to work. If you, <laughs> if you, you, can, you can give Empath, you can make me feel somewhat sympathetic for, oh, this is a sad thing for him, mm-hmm. but I still am going to hate Empath. There's no way around hating him. He's the most punchable guy on the X-Men, and that my friend, is a competitive category. Yeah. So for folks who have not read this issue, um, Magma has joined the Hellions and the Massachusetts Academy uh, after leaving the New Mutants and has been summoned home to Nova Roma by her father. Um, I guess White Queen does not want her to take this journey by herself and assigns uh, Empath to join her on this quest. It does not go well. And they end up uh, in a plane crash, which then forces the two of them to rely on each other and survive in the Amazon wilderness um, to get back to Nova Roma. And like you said, Zach, the story kind of Luis is asking us to kind of uh, feel, I guess, some sympathy for for empath or, or at least, I guess, try to accept that he can be slightly heroic. Because he, he helps out Magma, I And guess? the challenge, the challenge with this is that by the fact that this is a Magma story, Empath is the character that you naturally want to like more because he's playing against Magma, who's just a charisma void. Well, at this point, even after 62 issues, Magma is still very, very like... Just nothing. There's nothing there. You know what I mean? And this issue is also pulling her back to, <laughs> as we've talked about on this show before, Nova Roma is super unfortunate. Uh, Nova Roma may be the worst X-Men concept. Ugh. There's probably... Nova Roma may be the worst one that they can't stop doing. Yeah, yeah. So this will set up all of that stuff that we talked about in New Warriors. Um, you know, of oh, course, Phil too. Yeah, Fabes very intelligently uh, re retaking control of Empath as a complete <laughs> narcissistic bastard, uh, who then sort of takes over all of Nova Roma in the meantime. But that none of that happens in this story. Um, this almost feels like a fill-in issue to a certain extent because oh, it's it- just a a one-off. Uh, we get a, a danger room sequence at the beginning with the Hellions attacking Magma. And then the majority of the issue is just uh, these sort of panels of jungle survival with the two two characters. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty, pretty confident that this was an inventory issue. It feels that way. Definitely. They had, sit, they had, they had it just like sitting around and they were like, let's frame it up and then we'll go. I mean, because like the next issue, also an inventory issue. One right. written by Claremont. Yep. Uh, and you get that through New Mutants, and you actually get that in the late 80s of Marvel when they realized that they could schedule things better 
and not have inventory issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, by the end of this issue, like, I guess magma is kind of falling for empath and like deciding to kiss him. Um, after punching him in the face, like it's, it's very strange the way this is framed. Yeah. It's weird. They, they want you to fall in love with these two and have a romance and like believe that they can be a couple. And the problem is that it's empath, a man (laughs) who we have only ever seen convince women that they should love him. Yeah. With his mental powers. And that makes it, very hard in the span of an issue to say no actually she's falling for him for real yeah you're sitting there like but she's not (laughs) right it's empath no one can love him and that is tragic but also part of his character he's been yeah like it is a tragic thing on a very basic level of he can never know if someone loves him or doesn't love him or if he's making them like that, that's a, that is sad. Yeah. But it's he also should, really interesting. It is interesting. He's also spent most of his character character history, hypnotizing women into loving him. So maybe part of the fault is on him. <laughs> if he's confused about these things, he should have stopped actively doing it at some point. And I just think as a note, uh, if I'm, if I'm Manuel de la Rocha's uh, therapist, I'm telling him, let's unpack this for a second, Manuel. <laughs> no, you're telling him whatever he wants to hear, Zach. <laughs> also a problem being Manuel de la Rocha's therapist. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So the Muth art here is fantastic. Uh, Great it's got work. this nice, loose uh, style to it throughout. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the issue just kind of ends. Like, the... the the Nova Romans show up with uh, Amara's dad and it's like, I hope you'll be friends with my friend. And like, that's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> nothing else happens. Apparently, apparently the next time we see any of these characters is in evolutionary war, a comic that I don't, I know I've read individual annuals of, I don't care yeah. about whatever. Not super exciting. The high evolutionary was doing. I hate the high evolutionary bud. <laughs> hate him. I've got nothing for the high evolutionary. I think he sucks. He was kind of fun when uh, Duggan brought him into X-Men recently. He just kind of stood there and looked, you know, threatening. See, I hate the high evolutionary. I like that the X, I like that Pepe Larraz got to draw a Tesla elephant. I think that was very, very funny. Yeah, I think that was, that great. was great. I think it was hilarious that Jerry was like, we're bringing back the weird, terrible stuff half-sister of Pietro and Wanda, right? Like, we're doing that? The one who's faster than uh, Quicksilver and better at magic than the Scarlet Witch? Great. We're bringing her in here as well, so we have to all remember that story as a bit, as a goof on everybody. I think that's very funny, Jerry. Great work on that. Excellent choice. Um, I don't care about Herbert or whatever the freaking high evolutionary's name is. So I hate him so much. I think this is worse than Firestar. Um, Probably. But pro- what, what would you think about it compared to the um, New Mutants Fall of the Mutants, 59 to 61 at 471? Fall of the Mutants is also bad. Yeah. This I is mean, more consequential, maybe. I mean, this is... This is just light. 
Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of... Who do I like less? Bird brain <laughs> or empath and magma together? Bird brain. Definitely. I probably dislike bird brain more, yeah. Yeah, um, come on. Which one is... Sp- oh, Spider-Man team-up number one is the one that we continue to forget about where Ben Riley fights, like, the Hellfire? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um... This isn't That's better a, than Search for Cyclops at 467. Another nope. bad comic. No. And it's not as good as Exiles 100, I think, at 468. Even though that's not a great comic either. Do you remember? I know New Mutants Team Up Volume... Th- or Marvel Team Up Volume 3, number 19, is Cable teaming up with somebody and Robert Kirkman wrote it. I have no recollection of that comic otherwise. Mm, I ugh, This is probably better than that. Okay. I'll take, your, I'll take your word for it. You know what, Kirkman, if you don't like it, sue us. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to be our new 469? This will be our new number 469. Nice. New Mutants 62. And that's a that's a, that's a a hellicious episode yeah. of Val the Atom. Very nice. I want to I wanna thank Brian Fleetwood for that. That was a lot of fun. So thank you, Brian. If you want to be like Brian, patreon.com slash comicsxf. Go over there. We're going to be... We're actually going to be shaking up uh, the Patreon tiers and stuff soon nice. because we need to desperately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing that. So keep a, keep an eye out. Uh, we've got we've got some exciting stuff on the horizon. Adam, what do you got going on right now? Um, I mean, you guys can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I've been doing progress shots of my illustration of the fake X Men vote that uh, Comics XF put out the roster so i'm hoping i don't know i don't think the whole piece will be done by the time this episode comes out but if you like seeing art progress uh you can you can check that out and uh zach i've been been overjoyed seeing the art progress on it it's been (laughs) fun for me i still think you don't have enough maggots on uh on that page though i think you need to squeeze in a second maggot i don't know where he would fit and as jordan said why put two you're you're just splitting the vote um but you know, it would be funny to have one peeking out of the corner. <laughs> I think. I mean, listen, bud, you, you you do you do as the spirit wills you. Um, no, I've got nothing going on. Comics XF continues to put out some primo content. Yeah. So go check out that primo content. Uh, I'm not going to plug anything because I don't know. I am going to plug our next episode, which will take us to the road to 600, and. Allow us to talk about the war crimes of Hank McCoy. Ooh. But until then, this has been Bally Adam. I hope you survived the experience. Get it!